From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. You may have heard that healthy eating means eating less sugar. Today, I'm exploring that with Dr. Koshal Nanavati. He's the Assistant Dean of Wellness at Upstate, an Assistant Professor of Family Medicine, and Medical Director of Integrative Therapy. He's also a frequent guest on HealthLink on Air. Thank you for being here, Dr. Nanavati. Thank you for having me again, Amber. So how much sugar is okay to have on a daily basis? The American Heart Association recommends no more than 100 calories per day for women, 150 for men. That's 24 grams for women and 36 grams for men. But how do you translate that? How much is that? So when you think about it, uh, in terms of teaspoons is an easy way to kind of think about it. And about, you know, they say about four grams of sugar is what one teaspoon holds technically 4.2 for the scientists that are listening, but that rounds down to about four. So you're talking about 24 or 36, you're really talking about, you know, six to nine teaspoons a day uh, of uh, sugar overall. So if you're putting one or two in your coffee, that counts as your daily allotment, right? So one or two teaspoons is giving you about eight grams of sugar. So that right there uh, is about a third at least. Uh, of the sugar, you know, that you can have, or that's recommended, uh, you know, according to the experts. Well, let me ask you, what is the danger in eating a lot of sugar? So the danger in eating a lot of sugar is that you're eating a lot of sugar, right? And I say that jokingly, and it's really, you know, what's interesting is some experts and data suggest that it might not be the sugar but it's what the sugar is a part of, which are usually things that contain added calories. So when you think about sugar-sweetened beverages, um, you know, the problem is that the beverage itself, a 12-ounce can of whatever sugar-sweetened, is 150 calories. Uh, and so those are added calories versus a glass of water that's 12 ounces that has zero calories, right? So oftentimes what happens is sugar is paired with foods uh, that tend to add calories that aren't always the healthiest, especially when you think about the standard American diet and what people eat. And so while sugar gets vilified, um, it might not be the sugar itself as much as what it's partnered with. And its partners, its buddies might be the ones that are actually the culprits more than the sugar itself. So is it practical or would it even be considered healthy if you were trying to eliminate all sugar from your diet? Can you even achieve that? So the point is some people with some health conditions may look towards doing that. So we talk about, you know, people who do things like ketogenic diet where they have ketones instead of uh, glucose-based uh, sugars. Um, you know, for certain health conditions, there may be value. For weight loss, people do those things. The reality is uh, what we're talking about is if people are even considering that they have to think about the sugars in their diet, that's the first, you know, kind of red flag. Uh, because if we're having a lot of added sugars, usually they're added to something, which is usually packaged, processed uh, type of food. Whereas when you think about whole foods, primarily vegetables, even fruits, fruits have very little fructose uh, and they're sweet. Uh, and so if you're eating whole healthy foods, you're not worrying about this question as much. Uh, it's when you start to eat packaged processed foods or we're adding sugars or we have things that have ingredients uh, that have either sugars or sweeteners or high fructose corn syrup, then now we have to think about the whole package 
and not just the one thing, because it's usually not the one thing. It's the whole package that becomes the problem. So are the natural sugars that occur in fruit and milk and honey and things like that, are those sugars healthier than, I don't know, cakes that have sugar added to them or cookies? So I think part of your point is actually an excellent point, because when you think about sugars in natural substances, so let's take fruit, right? The sweeter natural stuff Uh, with fruit. There's sugar in there, but there's also a lot of fiber and a lot of other nutrients in there. And in in digesting the fruit, what happens is the sugar that's coming in comes in slowly over time towards the liver. When you talk about foods like cakes, we have a a high load of sugar that's coming in all at once. Uh, And so now that becomes a bigger hit on the liver itself in terms of trying to process it. Uh, There's a lot more uh, fructose. Uh, in table sugar, table sugar is usually 50% fructose, 50% glucose, and fructose has to get converted to glucose. But if there's too much fructose, then what ends up happening is the body ends up storing that as fat, and that becomes a problem. So uh, when we talk about the foods, uh, when it's in artificial sweeteners or even specifically not artificial sweeteners as much as just table sugars, uh, the problem with that is you get a high load all at once. And that triggers a lot of the what we call obesogenity uh, or even the cardiometabolic risks and all of those things that we worry about with sugar. So can people get into trouble from eating like way too many fruits then or other items like um, honey uh, or milk that contain sugar, but they're natural? Can people still get into trouble by overeating those items? So, you know, too much of a good thing can be bad as well. That can be said for most things. So moderation is a great uh, way to exercise a balanced dietary regimen. Uh, Generally speaking, if we think about the recommendations for vegetables and fruits, uh, you know, a lot of people say fruits and vegetables. They should really be thinking vegetables and fruits. You should have more vegetables, less fruit. Uh, And with fruit, one of the issues is actually they're healthy. I mean, there's a lot of nutrients, a lot of fiber. And generally speaking, patients ask me all the time, what's the best fruit to eat? What I tell them is the fruit that's in season, right? So that's a great way to think about getting variety as well. But on the other hand, um, because fruits do have sugar, people who have conditions such as diabetes have to be careful about overloading uh, the fruits that they eat. Uh, But generally speaking, even amongst fruits, Things like berries tend to have a lower glycemic index, so they're not as strong a load on the liver, uh, and so people can do it that way. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Koshal Nanavati. He's the Assistant Dean of Wellness at Upstate, and we're talking about the place for sugar in our diets. Now, from what I understand, sugar-sweetened beverages and breakfast cereals are two of the major sources of sugar in the American diet. Is that where you advise people to read nutrition labels? Absolutely. And the fact that you have to advise people to read nutrition labels makes you think they probably shouldn't be eating that stuff uh, because there are natural breakfast foods that are much, much healthier. Uh, Things like oatmeal uh, and for people that eat eggs, uh, having things like that or, you know, even multigrain breads and things. But for people that do like cereal, they should definitely look at how much sugar is in there. Uh, and usually when they say added sugars, that's usually referring to fructose, something that uh, when you get high loads, that becomes the 
agent by which you get some of the complications. It's not that fructose by itself is any worse than any other sugar, but it's the load of it that becomes a problem. Uh, and so when we think about what they're doing, so milk, uh, again, you know, is fine if they tolerate it. That's absolutely fine. Many people get more lactose intolerant as they get older, but if you tolerate it, that's a fine thing to have. But you want to try to have healthy, natural foods uh, as much as possible. Uh, and with sugar-sweetened beverages, there's a lot of data about the problem with sugar-sweetened beverages. One study showed that women who had one sugar-sweetened soda a day versus women who had one a month, the ones that had one a day, had a 63% higher risk of rheumatoid arthritis showing. Up, you know, And so that tells you something. Women that had two to three sugar-sweetened beverages a day had a 20 to 30% increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Uh, and so, you know, ultimately what we know is there are many more calories that come along with it. And then depending on the sugar-sweetened beverage, there are other ingredients, many of which people couldn't spell. Uh, and what that tells you is we don't really have a great idea of what these things are going to be doing. We have more animal studies than human studies on a lot of things, but there is human data that we should pay attention to. Now, food labels can be tricky to read, though. Um, it, what are some of the names? I, I We've heard of fructose or high fructose corn syrup, but what are some of the other names that we might see that indicate its sugar has been added, but, you know, it's not, they, it doesn't say sugar. What are some other right. terms? Yeah, so I think, you know, added sugars is a common thing that they say. And then even among artificial sweeteners, there's actually, you know, five that the FDA has approved, right? So saccharin, Asosulfame, aspartame, neotame, and sucralose uh, are five that the FDA has approved. Uh, but when we think about it, for a lot of these, in sucralose, there's actually interesting data there with studies in uh, mice where they actually, uh, these mice had actually been uh, given cocaine. And then when they had the opportunity to have cocaine again, um, uh, IV versus uh, oral um, sucralose, uh, the mice actually chose the sucralose. And what that tells us is that there's a high addictive potential with sugars and even some of the sweeteners, uh, especially some of the sweeteners that are 200 to 350 times the sweetness of sugar. When people have those, you actually get sensitized so that then things that have regular natural sugars like fruit don't taste as good. And so you want that other thing. And that other thing is usually added to something that's packaged, processed, that doesn't have the best balance of calories. Uh, and so that's how the, the weight gain concern that people have starts to become a problem as well. So what happens to someone who successfully reduces their intake of sugar over time? Are they going to still crave sugar? So actually what starts to happen, you know, habits take time to form. And so if somebody just suddenly cuts something out, Initially, within that first week, usually, there's a point of time where you, you know, feel um, like almost a withdrawal effect or that urge of, I miss it. Um, and there's a psychology of when you're giving something up, you know, is it a separation or is it a, a, a finality, right? Uh, I don't want to use the word divorce, but really that's what you're doing is you're walking away and not coming back. Uh, and so it's a mindset uh, but, you know, sugar is very addictive. It has an impact on dopamine in the brain. And so what that does is triggers you wanting more of it. Usually, if you are at least 48 hours away, you can start to work towards not craving it as much. 
but the real key to it is having some substitute that's healthier. So, you know, for people that are used to drinking uh, sugar sweetened beverages, you know, even if they put a slice of orange in a glass of water to have some flavor, it's a transition uh, and that can be a way to benefit themselves. Some people will take berries and put them in ice trays with some water and freeze them and make little cubes out of them, put that in their water so they still get some flavor uh, and get a hint of sweetness, but not an overload. Uh, and I think that's the key is usually gradual changes uh, work better for people, but the commitment is a necessity. Otherwise, people struggle. So if you're a person who has a really strong sweet tooth, is this something that's going to be harder for you to do away with or cut back uh, on at least? You're absolutely right. Well, so what happens is when people have a sweet tooth, you know, they want that, they crave that. And so they have to make a commitment to substituting uh, and so people that are used to having dessert after a meal, uh, for them to, you know, eat their meal and maybe wait a half hour or so, and then cut up some fruit, right? And they can nosh on some fruit while they're either doing something or sitting with family or reading or watching a little television, et cetera, um, or, you know, game night or something like that where everybody can share it. Uh, but the idea is to substitute something healthy for something that's not healthy. Uh, that still gives you good flavor and making sure you have variety so that you don't get bored of the same because somebody could drink three, you know, uh, sodas a day, sugar sweetened sodas a day for years and not get bored. But you tell them to eat the same fruit every day and they say, well, that's boring. Right. And so it's important for us to know our own psychology and to get creative in the ways in which you do things, you know, cutting up carrots and cucumbers, uh, squeezing a little lime, a little pinch of salt and pepper. If you don't have hypertension or something, uh, that's a great snack. And what it does is gives you flavor, it gives you texture, and it gives you health all in a nice, simple snack. Now, you mentioned uh, about, you know, the need to eat more vegetables more so than fruits. So are there, what are some of the vegetables that maybe are on the sweeter tasting end of things that people who are more inclined to eat fruits might find more palatable? So the first thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, carrots, right? They tend to be great uh, and have a lot of benefit. Uh, beets are sweet. They can be mixed into salads and things like that as well. People can even make a nut trail mix. And if you take some almonds and walnuts, add some sunflower and pumpkin seeds, and then some raisins or craisins, uh, that works. Dates are one of the, you know, I call them nature's candy. Now, dates are wonderful. They're a great fiber source as well. Um, plums, peaches, uh, you know, these are all fruits. And then depending on the type of apple, you can go from tart to more sweet. Um, and, you know, in central New York, I mean, this is apple country, right? So we have so much opportunity to experiment with different tastes and flavors when it comes to fruits. And also with vegetables, uh, you think about sweet peppers, you know, they're wonderful to have as well. Uh, and so you can mix and match those things. Tomatoes, uh, you know, people love to argue about vegetable versus fruit. Well, it's sweet, bottom line. And so that, that can work uh, to benefit both ways. So what would you say to someone? Um, is it better to just go cold turkey and get rid of the candy bar entirely? Or is it okay to just say, I'm going to have a candy bar, but only have a fourth of it? So the answer to that is yes. Uh, and by that, what I mean is that it does depend on the person. There are some personality types that need to make a clean break. And for those people, it's really important uh, for them to substitute. Uh, 
uh, you know, four dates uh, or a piece of fruit rather than a chocolate. I mean, why are you trying to cut back in the first place? That's because uh, of the ingredients and the fact that there's not any nutritive benefit in that candy bar, whereas there is benefit with fruit. And so, you know, people need to think about how it works for them. But at the end of the day, the goal is to be healthier, to eat healthier. And if you do have a sweet tooth, you know, fill that craving with fruit or sweet, sweeter vegetables versus having a substitute that is still, you know, added sugars or artificial or, you know, man-made and loaded with sugars. Thank you to Dr. Koshal Nanavati. He's the Assistant Dean of Wellness, an Assistant Professor of Family Medicine, and Medical Director of Integrative Therapy at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.